I am a rambling Irishman And Ulster I was born in And many's the happy hours I spent On the banks of the sweet Loch Erin Blackstaff Press have just published Esler Crawford's latest book, The North, A View From The Sky. And it features over 130 aerial photographs of Northern Ireland. We have Dundrum, Strangford, Loch Erin, Kirkcubbin and Leo Bridge, to mention only a few. And it would make the ideal Christmas present. On the next programme, Esler tells us how photography has changed over the years and why he still prefers film to digital. I'm Bobby Hammond, the Ramblin' Man, and as always, this time every week, you're very welcome to the programme. And sure, why wouldn't you be?
Ezra Crawford was born in Larne in 1937 and opened his photographic business in Belfast in 1969. He's still taking great photographs and joins us in just a moment. You're tuned to Downtown Radio from Monarch and Tomogadishu on the old www.downtown.co.uk. Stay tuned now here. Who else have you photographed? Well, nobody very famous. I remember before she became famous, I photographed Margaret Thatcher. She called over in a PR visit to the bank buildings at the behest of the owner then. I just forget his name, but uh, he was a prominent member of the Conservative Party. Can't think of anybody very famous I photographed, you know. I photographed a lot of famous rally and racing drivers. And when you saw Margaret Thatcher in the bank buildings in those days, did you have anything special about her? Did Did you notice that she could become a leader at that time? Uh, I thought there was yes, there was a certain, something about a, her. A certain something about her. Uh, another man who gave off a tremendous aura of power was was uh, John DeLorean. I photographed him a few times. Oh, he was times. a nice man. He got a rough deal too, didn't he? Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I wouldn't say he was a nice man, but it's a man with. Tremendously strong personality. He paid his workers well. Uh, well, he maybe did, but as say his personality was the, was the thing. He, he really had an overpowering personality. All his executives always obviously in complete awe of, of the man. I met somebody like that that reminded me of John DeLorean, and he was the vice chancellor of Queens, Sir George Bean. He was a Canadian. He had terrific personality. He could just win people over by looking at them. Some people have that. Mm-hmm. Esler, when you're away from the hustle and bustle of your business, how do you relax? You know, what hobbies do you have? Oh, I have lots of hobbies. I love gardening. Not flower gardening, but vegetable gardening. I love watching rugby. I love cooking. I very much like drinking wine. I like travel, particularly you know, to the Alpine regions of Europe. I like music. I know nothing about music, but I like music. Most people don't know a thing about music, but they like it. Well, I, well, some there's a lot of people who don't know anything about YouTube, but talking as if they did. I just, I just like what I like, and that's it. That's right. Yeah. I, also, I also collect some art. Again, I have no knowledge of art, but I, I, I know what paintings I like, which is not any great, you know, I'm not being smart, but I just, I don't buy art for investment. I arts buy art simply because I like it. Did you ever meet William Connor? I have one of his paintings. N- never actually met him. I, uh, I met. Tom Carr once. Yeah. Uh, he was a nice man. William Connor, he spelled his name with one N. That's right. C O N O R. And somebody asked him one time why he did that, why he spelled his name with one N, and he mm-hmm. said that he could never make ends meet. <laughs> <laughs> and what else do you do to pass the time? So is that not enough? That's all right. You know, well, I'm fond of driving. I like I like fast cars, and I watch rally. I watch What's your favourite car? Oh, a bit of Porsche 911. Uh, watch a lot of rallies and photograph rallies, just for fun. 30 years ago, Belfast, like other cities across the UK and the world, had quite a few very good and highly respected photographers. Did you know any of them, Leslie Stewart? The first photographer I ever met was uh, Henry Solomon, who had, who had, as far as I can remember, a studio up at Donegal Square North. Beside the Linden Hall Library? Beside there? the Linden Hall Library, Sorry. you had to go... You know what I noticed about that? I went on to see him when I started in photography and he was very helpful. He had photographs of customers in the window. Any of the customers hadn't collected the photos. He used to put them in the window upside down. Did you know that? No, I didn't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> of course, another great character then was, was Leslie Stewart, mm-hmm. whom, you know, who was the doyen of society photographers. Right. Great man, <laughs> Leslie, yeah. And uh, 
Norman Little and knew him quite well. You know, Was Anderson and McMichan? Well, they they had yes. Uh, I only didn't really meet Robert Anderson very much. I, I knew Dennis quite well, but they, they were the f- first people who took a really commercial approach to to industrial. They were the first real industrial photographers. I would say and. and of the recent times in Belfast. Leslie was a great portrait man. That's right. Mm-hmm. How come you have nobody of that reputation nowadays? I suppose, you in a, in a way, photography has become too easy and too many people doing it. And uh, Photography then was, well, it was, it was, I suppose, it was difficult enough. Cameras weren't so advanced or anything. You made an allusion earlier there you know, to a phone camera. Anybody can take a, can take a photograph now. It... it, it it may not be very good, but you know, as long as the image is recognisable, they're quite happy. Patrick Litchfield said that digital photography was fine, but it didn't make you a better photographer. Of course not. Sure, no camera makes you a better photographer, Bobby, unless you've got it in your head. I mean, the camera's only a tool, like a hammer or a, a chisel. <laughs> Has your equipment changed over the years? The biggest single change has been the advent of digital photography. Up until that, I suppose when autofocus first came in, it, it was a big step forward through the lens metering and so on. You know, the likes of a Nikon, if you if you have any sort of knowledge at all, a Nikon is a very foolproof camera. Very sturdy. Well, yes, yeah, sturdy with autofocus and auto exposure and so I'm on. Still using an F3. You're still using an F3? You can drive a tractor over them. If you're in the Nikon system, any Nikon is almost intuitive to use because the controls are all 
in the same place and so on. And I love the Nikon and I have some very good lenses with it. Mm-hmm. And also, I got a new Leica there. Did you? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But the Leica negative is totally different. So easy to print. It has a special quality, hasn't it? Well, it's a long time since I've used a Leica. Mm-hmm. Now, I used to, as I told you earlier on, my first real camera was a Leica 3G or 3F. I think mm-hmm. it was a 3F, in fact. Uh, and uh, I had a lot of Leicas, but latterly uh, the cameras were good, but their service was absolutely awful. For 35mm, I used Nikon. First of all, the cameras very seldom give trouble. And if if they do, there's a firm in London called Fixation uh, who will turn around and, and Nik- most Nikon repairs in five days. My favourite cameras are Hasselblad's, Leica's and Nikon's. What are yours? I use Nikon Digital. I have two D3s, and, but I still use a Nikon uh, film camera, an F6, which is a lovely camera. A camera which I like very much is the Fuji 680, which is a 120 film camera, but it has got movements. So it's very good for architecture and gives a nice big nag, 6 by 8 centimetres. For 5.4, I have a Silvestri, which is an Italian-made camera. It's a very light. For a 5.4, it's very small and light. One of the ones the Pope sent you. <laughs> <laughs> and then for my aerial stuff, I use Pentax 6.7s. I've got three of those, and they're very robust and cost next to nothing, but give excellent results. I see by your latest book, Essler of the North, A View from the Skies, and it's a wonderful and beautiful book that you still prefer to use film. I think, as we touched on earlier, um, I think film, large format film, still has the eyes on digital. Digital will probably catch up. But what worries me about digital is its archival permanence. It's invisible. It's invisible, so people can chuck digital images away and and not even know that they've done it. Modern film stock will probably be around here in a couple of hundred years' time. But I can see an awful lot of digital images being lost. When I look at your book, I immediately think of Northern Ireland weather, yet you seem to get great weather for all your shots in the book. How did you manage that? <laughs> but, but just by being patient, you just have to wait. I mean, you can't but rush the, it. By the time you, you, know, you get up in the morning and you say, this is going to be a good day, get your airplane out, get your film, the time you get up there, it could be raining. Correct. That's what quite often happens. But I'm an expert in listening to weather forecasts. I think RTE has the best weather forecast. Do you notice that? Well, I, I don't use RT, RTE, but they all, you know, all the forecasts we get come from the Met Office so, so far as I can make out. So I don't know why so many different people have different takes on, on the same information. It's beyond my comprehension. But by and large, the weather forecasts are reasonably accurate. Sometimes they get it, you know, wrong. But that is the biggest enemy of aerial photography is, is bad weather. How did you identify the many locations from the air? Because... When I'm flying back from England, I realise I'm back in Belfast when I have landed. I started off with an advantage in this. When I was car rallying, I, I became an expert map reader, even though I said it myself. That's a good idea. And uh, so whenever I'm flying, I take the Ordnance Survey maps with me and can follow things very easily that way. But then, you know, there's an old adage among the pilots, which they, they navigate by FTR, which means follow that road. If we're going to Derry, I'll say, right, let's go up the M2 and then we'll go through through the Glenshane Pass and then by that time, Derry will be in sight. That would and how do you pick an angle? Well, I just take it from lots of angles. Generally speaking, with aerial photography, you cannot 
shoot into the sun. The way the old professionals said, the sun should be over your left shoulder, and that's by funny. and large in aerial photography, that's if you try fancy stuff shooting into the sun, it usually doesn't work. And you also use colour transparency film as opposed to negative film, and the exposure in it has to be more accurate, isn't that right? The exposure has to be more accurate, but I find with the Pentax system, the Pentax 6-7, the exposure is pretty accurate. I never bracket or anything like that. I just set the camera on aperture priority and just bang away. And usually it works out all right. You have over 130 beautiful photographs in your book, Esler. How many days flying did it take to cover that? Oh, I've no idea. The last book was published about nine years ago, so I'm collecting new shots over, over the last nine years. Of course, what you see in the book is only a tiny fraction of what we have on our files. I have a fireproof cabinet downstairs full of transparencies. Did Philip tell me one time he used to fly with this Catholic pilot, aeroplane pilot, mm-hmm. and every time he flew over a chapel he blessed himself. <laughs> be a very safe driver <laughs> yeah can people buy enlarged prints from your book yes there's no problem if they want to call into the studio here in Belfast we'd, we'd organise that for them we recently sold a big one of Valentoy to a, to a lady in America in Arizona would you believe mm-hmm. in fact she got two because the first never got to her so honour bound you know, to uphold the northern reputation for honesty we, we had to send her another one yeah. so, so there wasn't much profit made in that job
You give great praise, Esther, and rightly so, to the man who processed your films, your transparencies. That's Padraig Orris, a, a stout individual from Island McGee. <laughs> That's where the witches came from. That's where the witches came yeah. from. <laughs> One of the first people I had on the programme was a man called Thomas Skelton. From Island McGee. Uh, that's, a, that's an Island McGee name, yes. Oh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he said th- he was a white witch. I know? think I think he was a Coast Guard, in fact. He's right. a wonderful character. Uh, I've heard my cousin who lives down Island McGee mentioning that name, Skelton, yeah. And your processor still processes the transparencies for you? Uh-huh, we still do that, yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But there's less and less of it. You know, the volume's dropping all the time. I don't know what will happen. I'd say there's fewer and fewer films being processed. And there's some of the actual photographs in your book that are like paintings. They're so beautiful. I'm glad you like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, really do. What have you planned to do next? To enter just a slightly sombre note, my wife died a year and a half ago. That would be the low point in my life, yes. uh, which I'm still recovering from. But I'm not going to lie down. I mean, while I've got my health and strength, I'll still carry on taking photographs. And there's always a better photograph not yet taken, Bobby. Sure. As you know, we're always, do- always, we're always looking for the big one. We're always looking for the next best photograph. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just keep doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Next year, 2009, sees you celebrating 40 years in photography. What is your happiest memory from all those years? And will you have a, a sale next year to celebrate? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose if you're in it as a business, your happiest memory is the day you cleared off your overdraft with the bank. That's right, it is, isn't <laughs> you it? Uh-huh. Because for years, I sweated blood buying expensive equipment and then having to pay it off. And staying in the dark room to all hours. Aye. Uh-huh. So, you know, getting into a position where you can say to you to the bank man is probably you know, the best bit of it. It is. Um, do you think photographers are solitary people that they like their own company best? Because I'm at my happiest when I'm in the dark room on my own. Well, I think photographers are a cross-section society. There's some who are gregarious and some are not. I would call myself a loner. You know, I'm quite happy to go out all day and on my own and take photographs. That, that gives me enormous pleasure. So I don't know, everybody's different, but I don't think you can go out with somebody else for a day out and take photographs because you can't concentrate. If you're taking landscape photographs, sometimes you can search about for a long time and maybe you find a nice location and there's something wrong and you have to fiddle about and uh, sometimes a couple of inches makes all the difference to a viewpoint. And then you'll find there's something which you don't like in the shot and you have to have to move somewhere else. Uh, it's not... Nowadays with Photoshop and so on, you know, sometimes you can work wonders with bad images. Your book is called The North, A View from the Skies and is published by Blackstaff Press. And as I said before, it's an absolutely beautiful piece of work. How can people get their hands on it? Well, if they come to the studio here, I, I, keep, a, I keep a good selection here. But I think it's in sale in most of the good bookshops. Or if they contact Blackstaff, I'm sure they'll be happy to accommodate Maybe them. in a few bad bookshops as well. Maybe in a few bad... <laughs> well, I, well, I hope mine's sort of, sort of at eye level, not up too high. That's right. Well, Esler, I'd like to wish you every success with your book. It's beautiful. And many more years of health, happiness and good photography. And thanks for coming on to the programme. Thanks very much. It's, it's been my pleasure. My guest next week was born in Galway and her first seed now on general release has caused a sensation in radio stations the length and breadth of Ireland. Linda Welby sings and writes her own songs, so please join us then. Esler's last track, Ready to Roll, and he would like me to dedicate it to Mary from Far and Four. Until next week, from me, Bobby Hamby, the Rambling Man, the Man with the Sore Feet, it's good night, and God bless you, one and all. And stay tuned to Downtown Radio. Man, I go now, here.
years come and gone And as the leaves fall on the lawn I think of how these pleasures passed me by And I'm thinking of my old home And the love I left behind No, I couldn't go back there if I tried On my next go-round Gonna get back to the dreams we knew Before I broke them down Gonna take your hand Gonna be the man who pulls you from the ground I won't let you down On my next go-round Standing on the edges Of a thousand burning bridges Sifting through the ashes every day What we thought was never ending Now is nothing more than memory The way things were Before I lost my way On my next go-round Gonna get back to the dreams we knew Before I broke them down Gonna take your hand Gonna be the man Who pulls you from the ground I won't let you down On my next go-round heavy How I wish that I could stop and turn around But there are no second chances In a world of circumstances But in this life you don't get no next go round On my next go round Gonna start again Gonna let you in To lay our burdens down Never turning round, I'll always be around. I won't let you down for my next go round. I won't let you down for my next go round. 